Are You Just Watching? is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Craig Hardy, Tim Martin, Richard French, and Stephen Brown II for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching, please go to patreon.com slash areyoujustwatching. Show notes for this episode can be found at areyoujustwatching.com slash 67. Are you just watching episode 67, More Commercials? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And you know what? This was, the, this was such a big hit. When we did it last year, I figured it was time to do it again. And there's lots of commercials to talk about. There's never a shortage of commercials to talk about. And uh, this year in particular, we really need to think about the commercials that we're seeing. Uh, yeah. They're they're using them much more than I've seen before as a delivery mechanism for opinion. Opinion and political views, yes, and uh, social views. Yeah, it, it's a, almost a period of time where even more than usual, I would just want to not watch commercials because they are getting so opinionated and uh, – divisive divisive yes but before we dive into commercials speaking of tv um i just wanted to do a quick follow-up on our fall episode where we talked about fall tv and see what you're still watching out of those ones that we Uh, talked about uh, well the only one that comes to mind is the one that i uh, put into the the group the other day and that's lethal weapon yeah which i've been uh very happy, uh, in particular with the way that they are using Riggs' character to really dive into uh, how depression affects people and works. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's still they're still funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> which, very hilarious. which is great because depression is you know depression is a part of a lot of people's lives, and it doesn't mean that there's not joy, there's not humor, there's not. Good times, but it, it's like it presents it in Lethal Weapon. Um, and it, you know, it, I, I have the, to say, you get the it slump. Is, it isn't just depression; it's grief. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's got a special kind of depression. He is grieving seriously for uh, his second half. Really, the the person that he was living for who passed away before him. And, and not only is he grieving, but he is keep he is bottling that grief up. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think in the last few episodes, the ones that are really coming towards the, uh, the you know the second the final quarter, I guess, of the season, uh, we're starting to see him change. We're starting to see him uh, finding some holes in his grief that he can look through, and I, I've just really been enjoying seeing that that grief evolve in him. And so, yeah, I, I'm still watching that show, still looking forward to every single episode. And I have kept up with conviction. Um, I'm about two episodes behind. I want to say we're behind about the same amount, but I'm not actually interested in going back to it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, part of it for me is uh, as much as I like um, Atwell, Haley Atwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't like her character in Conviction. 
Yeah, and I not- mean, I, I have a distinct dislike for her character and conviction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of like some of the stories they've done. And there was the one one before Christmas that I really particularly liked where they were trying to stop a, an execution and they failed. They they, mm-hmm. they got all of the information they needed to prove the guy was innocent, but it was too late and he'd already been executed. And for some reason, I thought that kind of broke the mold that the, the show was starting to create with every episode. And I, I liked the fact that they were willing to um, break their own established storyline and do something a little different. Yeah, um, I have to that, agree. That one was a uh, a gem of an episode. Uh, particularly compared to the the other ones, mm-hmm. but the thing I didn't don't like is the growing sexual behavior between her and the DA. The DA yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, that's one I'm I'm kind of going to and fro on. I kind of quit watching Designated Survivor. It just I'm still recording them, but I haven't watched them in a really long time. <laughs> <It's>, we're, <laughs> st- we're still watching it. Oh really? Uh, yeah, we, uh, uh, my entire family is really enjoying Designated Survivor. We're looking forward to it coming back. Uh, I think this week, maybe. Okay. Uh, the week yeah. of our recording, anyway. Yeah. Well, my problem with it is that when they when they had uh, the FBI director have uh, when they blackmailed him with his son, I that just that whole storyline just made me so frustrated. Mm. And I don't like shows that frustrate me. And I know this is, you know, building the tension and everything, but I, I just, for some reason, it that whole storyline turned me off, and I haven't been back since. I can understand that. It's especially something as powerful as uh, using a child against you, because it, not only did they do that with, um, you know, the the associate director, the, the de facto director of the FBI, but they did it against the, uh, or they implied at least that they did it against the, the guy who became the vice president. But I think that it. I guess I'm seeing it as showing, you know, just the levels that the opposition will stoop to. Right. Uh, but I can certainly understand uh, frustration with that. What about Timeless? Are you still watching that? I have it recording, but I haven't watched it since we did our podcast. I That that one was another one that was frustrating me. If I don't care for the, the bad guys, a lot of times that turns me off of a show. And in this instance this uh, bad guy that she was going up against um, that's trying to rewrite history or something mm-hmm. that, that show frustrated me too. And I didn't connect with any of the characters enough to really want to come back to it. So I have a bunch of them recorded, but I'll probably end up deleting them without <laughs> watching. Cause I just really have no desire to sit down and watch it. And I will admit that uh, I, I got Netflix in November and I have let a lot of TV stack up because I'm enjoying Netflix so much. <laughs> commercialist, commercialist TV is a whole lot more fun. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff on the on the premium services. Netflix in particular um, has the show that replaced Timeless for me, which is Travelers. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I was the one that got you hooked on Travelers. Cause I yes, you were. <laughs> I checked it out based on your recommendation, and my wife and I are both uh, very much enjoying it. it. Because, you know, with Timeless, it sort of lacked a logical continuity with the changes that they were making. Mm-hmm. A big part of the Timeless show focused on the the two opposing groups making changes to the timeline. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really uh, engage in that at all in Timeless. Mm-hmm. But with Travelers, it's not a big part. Making changes is not really um, 
because you can't see them being made. They're being made in a future that we don't live in. Exactly. So it's it's much more something in the background. Right. And uh, I, I like the way they're doing it in Travelers. Yeah. It's more like a, like they're not even sure whether they're they're trying to change things and they're not even sure whether they're succeeding. Oh, yeah. and uh, they also have the whole uh, the director thing, mm-hmm. which I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but um, the way that they are dealing with authority and trust and all that, I think is uh, is very interesting as well. Yeah. So if uh, you, our dear listener, uh, <laughs> have tried Timeless and didn't like it, and and you have Netflix or can pick it up, uh, check out Travelers. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, we the like nice it. thing is, is it's all there and you can binge watch it, which is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> binge watching is not good. <laughs> Says the guy who does it way too often. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're actually here to talk about commercials, but I've been really wanting to do an update on our TV shows um, ever since we did that episode, actually. Uh, so that's kind of a, a nice little catch-all. But um, we're here to talk about commercials, and the ones around the Super Bowl especially were extremely political. Tim actually listed out all of the commercials that he saw as he as you were watching the game. Is that how you did that? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I recorded it all. You know, I DVR'd it all, and then I mm-hmm. went back and I fast-forwarded through the game <laughs> <laughs> to grab the commercials so I, could, so I could jot them down. And there really were a lot of them that were... Above middle of the line political, I, I guess mm-hmm. is what you would say. You know, normally the commercials are, uh, they are made to have an impact uh, to make you remember them. But this year they seem to be using the uh, very divisive environment to uh, remember them as a political point. Which can be very dangerous for companies because if they if they anger the wrong side, I think a lot of these were very left-leaning political ads. Um, if they ra- anger the wrong side, that could actually hurt them from a financial standpoint because uh, I think a lot of these advertisers may have forgotten that you know a, a good segment of the country did vote for somebody they don't like. <laughs> uh, it's, I, you know what I think? Uh, I think they probably have multiple ad agencies working multiple angles. For mm-hmm. for, for instance, the first commercial on our list is that Keonir. Kia Nero, Nero one, <laughs> which uh, you know it's it's a uh, I think it's a is it a hybrid or is it just a straight electric? I'm not sure. I'm uh, not sure what kind of car it is. I've never seen one, so I, I'm it might be a straight electric car. Yeah, but they, I imagine that they have uh, ad agencies focusing on reaching out to the half of the country uh, that would drive a car like that. Yeah. <laughs> And Kia probably has another ad agency focusing on another one of their cars that reaches out to uh, the traditionally conservative groups, uh, mm-hmm. the the sports cars or the muscle cars well, or whatever. One of the reasons why I chose the Kia Nero ad was because I felt like that it was not necessarily as um, politically divisive as some of the ads, other ads were. I think it, I yeah, they we, were focusing on humor uh, were, more than the environment. <laughs> environmental message right but with melissa mccarthy uh it i it's clear that they wanted a humorous ad yes now the the ad we're discussing um you can go and well we'll put a link to the video 
uh, in the show notes. So this is a, a episode you're going to really need to pull our show notes up for because we are not going to play any of the commercials. Uh, we're just going to talk about them. So if you actually yeah. want to see the commercial you're ta- we're talking about, you will need to go to our show notes and pull and pull them up and watch them. This is the ad that had to do with uh, the girl who wanted to be the environmental hero and save all of the various things that need saving whales. Eco-warrior. Eco-warrior, yes. Um, so it, it's interesting. We spoke last in our last episode, which was on the movie Sully on what it means to be a hero. And I think it's interesting as a nice transition to start out with this ad because it is talking about being an eco-warrior or eco-hero. But what they end up really saying at the end of the ad is that the best way to be a hero for the environment is to do what you are able to do, Um, in which in this case is drive an economic and environmentally friendly car. Hmm. Uh, It's... I think that I, I wouldn't say that that's the best. They say it's the best thing, but they say it's. I feel like they said it, at least you can do do this. this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's interesting. As we were uh, prepping the show, and uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, what scripture speaks to each individual one, and uh, I was thinking about this commercial, and you know, we've touched so much on. Uh, idolatry and worshiping the created instead of the creator. Mm-hmm. Um, this is such a recurring theme that it seems like it comes up in every episode. Uh, the idea of idolatry and uh, worshiping the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's and that's because all- we live in this world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that I guess that's sort of the point, but I, I wanted to draw a parallelism or a metaphor or an analog or something like that. <laughs> uh, imagine if, as the commercial plays out, uh, Melissa McCarthy's driving her fancy-dancy Kia Nero, and she keeps getting calls, uh, Melissa, the whales need your help. Melissa, the forests need your help. Imagine if they replaced that with Melissa, the gospel needs to be spread in Africa. Melissa, the gospel needs to be mm. spread in China. Yeah. You know, would the average Christian respond to a call like that? And I think that's worth thinking about as you watch this commercial, because mm-hmm. that's that's taking it from the idolatry of uh, environmentalism, which has a basis in Scripture, mm-hmm. because we are the stewards of our environment. Oh, yes. But people have, like so many things, taken it too far. Mm-hmm. And it, it, frankly, it's even possible to take evangelism too far if you start placing the message above God, if that makes sense. Well, the, the message is God, but I, I think I understand where you're going with that is that we can be intrusive and destructive instead of helpful by in our attempts to spread the gospel. I know I've, I've read numerous articles about um, short-term mission trips from churches that go into, or, let's say, an orphanage in China somewhere, and they spend one week making these kids' lives wonderful, and then they go home. And those kids are devastated because the, you know, the the bonds that they formed with people that they thought actually loved them, just they just vanished. Yeah. And 
and and the end result was worse than than if they had never come you know so i think we have to be very careful with our missions but i agree with you that you know what if that call had been you know the the gospel needs to be heard here and the gospel needs to be heard here because we are definitely living in a western christianized church that is no longer uh hearing the call that god gave us and that was go into all the nations and preach the gospel yeah so i i love that parallel thanks for bringing that up I like your emphasis on the the orphanage thing, and uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to throw into our show notes um, a mission that is near and dear to my heart, which is just one opportunity. Uh, good brother in Christ, uh, Jorge Orzo, I think his last name is. I've uh, I usually just interact with him on the first name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works very very closely with um, some villages in Nicaragua. Um, and this is the kind of response that we should be getting when somebody calls us up on our Bluetooth phone and says, uh, Melissa, Nicaragua needs your help. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll throw, I'll throw that in the show notes with a, a shout out to, to Jorge and, uh, and the miss- ma- missions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, one last perspective on this commercial and we're gonna have to move through these really fast. <laughs> we're gonna have a three hour long episode. One last thing that I thought of, this is really, you know, putting a a spin on the environmental movement um, where these people are supposedly care so much about the environment. And one of the things that I have noticed a lot of times from that particular group of people is, is that they may be protesting on behalf of what they think is good for the environment, but sometimes they're not very good for the environment themselves. And we're going to post in, in the show notes with uh, on behalf of this advertisement a news story about protesters that were uh, protesting the Dakota Pipeline and the gargantuan garbage heap they left in their wake when they left such a massive garbage heap that it is is in danger of polluting the river that they were there to protect from the pipeline yeah well you know that i went looking for numbers on how many protesters there were at the dakota access pipeline Mm -hmm. and i couldn't find it i couldn't find any hard numbers um uh it turns out to be a very difficult thing to search for on google But I was thinking back to uh, – I used to live in Maine, and uh, up in Maine, there's this band called Fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fish would come up and do a concert every year, and every year there would be another uh, series of uh, news articles about all the trash left behind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about the Dakota Access Pipeline thing that you posted up and, and the Fish concerts. Did you know that the average American generates 4.3 pounds of trash per day? Yeah, and supposedly the environmentalists are trying to lessen that amount. Well, let's let's say they they reduce that by half, which would be outstanding right. as far as a reduction. And why didn't they take it out with them when they left? That's a good question. Um I just I guess I I'm not as big on the impact that they left behind because Frankly, it, all it does is says uh, – To me, it's I don't, I don't mean offense, but yeah. it, it points to them and says hypocrite. Yeah. And But Paul tells us we're all hypocrites. Well, we are in Christ. I agree. But here's the thing. 
if they believe so much in the environment that they're willing to take days off of work or, I mean, if they even have jobs and go out there and protest on behalf of this river and then in the end leave their trash behind so bad that it's polluting the very river they were trying to protect, Mm. that's the worst form of hypocrisy. If they don't care enough about the environment to pick up and pack out their own trash, I don't even understand the protest there because... But we'll, we won't go there far. I just I brought it up because it's that is what environmentalism, what the movement is to me. It's a it's a bunch of hypocrites. They they scream and yell about pe- about people protecting the environment. But they they themselves, they don't care. They really don't care. And they show it in their way that they behave towards the environment themselves individually, that they really don't care. And they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. And that has always bugged me. So anyway, personal pet peeve. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and and it's not that I'm against uh, all of the movements that they show in the Kia Nero ad either. I mean, save the whales. Uh, I definitely agree we should quit harvesting whales for oil. We don't need whale oil anymore. And the fact that there are still countries in the world that do it and they have been sanctioned against for still doing it and... You know, I I agree with that movement. I don't necessarily agree with the way we're trying to stop them, but I agree that we should stop panning whales. Um, Mm. The trees, eh, I'm not so much big about that. I mean, we harvest trees for paper and other products, and we plant, and almost, at least in the United States, I know for every tree they take down, they plant new ones. Yeah, they they really are a renewable resource. It's a renewable resource. So saving a tree that's probably near the end of its lifespan anyway is, to me, is not a huge issue. So, yeah. I think we remember hearing that there's actually more forest coverage today than there was at this point 40 years ago or something like that. Yeah. uh, I I think that uh, the environmentalist movement does – uh, does some good, but mm-hmm. again, it's all about the extremes. Right. You know, it's the extremists that make uh, any, any movement look bad. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like environment, extreme environmentalists can make the environmentalism look bad. So too can uh, extreme um, fundamentalists. Uh, fundamentalists. Uh, it, it, <laughs> trying to remember the name of that church. Uh, the they protest the, the soldiers' funerals. Oh yeah, um, I, I try to I try to strike them from my brain because <laughs> <And rightfully laughs> they are so. they are so unChristian that, that that people use them to represent Christianity really bugs me. But yeah, it, so it's you know we don't want to paint everybody with the same brush except to say all have sinned right and fall right. short of the glory of God. Yes. Well, the next ad on our list yes. is from is wait we have more year. ads we have more ads yeah we, oh yeah we can't. We can't spend three minutes on each one either, so we have to move it along. Uh, so, the next ad on the list is uh, one that uh, actually didn't play in the Super Bowl, um, and I brought it to your attention uh, just a few days ago, like a week ago or so, mm-hmm. yeah. because it actually highlighted a point that I wanted to uh, draw to the forefront, which was um, how. Sinful behavior is normalized in society today, and Mm -hmm. specifically sinful behavior, uh, the one I'm referring to is the – is homosexuality Mm -hmm. and uh, the acceptance of homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to start out uh, first by saying there are Christians out there, uh, 
probably hundreds or thousands of Christians out there who struggle with homosexual thoughts and temptations. There are hundreds and thousands of millions. In fact, every Christian struggles with some kind of sinful thought or something. Well, absolutely. I, it's, <laughs> it's part of being human right. and striving towards uh, holiness, mm-hmm. striving and growing in sanctification. That said, I 100% believe that homosexual behavior is sinful, that God abhors it, mm-hmm. and that it is an abomination before God and a violation of his plan for creation. Right. Uh, it is a result of fallen man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a result of sin in this world. I mean, it does not make the people who are lost in that behavior, it does not make them unforgivable and unlovable. <laughs> Absolutely God can, not. God can rescue them and, and turn them into beautiful uh, creations just like he can any sinful uh, it's not an unforgivable sin. Let's put it that way. Exactly. And, and I think a lot what? of Christians treat it today like an unforgivable sin, and it is not. Yeah. And there are Christians out there who disagree with me. They mm-hmm. think that the— um, It's natural. That and- my scriptural interpretation, uh, that the one that I ascribe to is uh, mistaken— and that it was that the Bible was speaking to specific cultural practices uh, right. in a specific set of time. Uh, I I understand that, and they're wrong, but I understand <laughs> what they're saying. Right. Uh, so jump forward two thousand years, or you know one thousand nine hundred and fifty years to today, and you have uh, this huge media battle over homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And we've talked uh, before about the Supreme Court decision on um, uh, homosexual marriage mm-hmm. and how they painted the White House with the rainbow flag colors. And, you know, that just when that happened, it broke my heart because even though I'm a moderate conservative Republican, uh, I still actually like the Obamas as a family and Barack Obama as a person, I, I think he seems like he's a good guy who just is mistaken on some things. And when they use the, the lights to color the White House, it just it felt like a slap in the face to people who are trying to uphold to biblical values. So um, since that Supreme Court decision the people who support homosexual uh, activity as being perfectly fine and acceptable and most importantly as a protected class, they seem to have just accepted victory and everything seems to be going forward now as – They've just moved on to the next thing. It's not yeah. – they've accepted vic- victory on the homosexuality and now they've moved on to the next thing. It's that slippery slope that as Christians we were always talking about. It's like once you normalize one against. thing – And warning against. Yeah, once you normalize one thing, then the next thing on the list that at the time was just horrific and they said, oh, no, this would never apply to them. That's the next thing on the list that now is being normalized. Mm-hmm. So it, they just move on to the next thing. So this Delta ad is um, – it's I think it's called the 4 a.m. ad and what it shows is uh, a, a whole bunch of people getting up in the, in the morning, getting ready and leaving on a business trip. Mm-hmm. And it's so subtle in this ad but one of the – one of the, the couples that they show 
is a is homosexual a man, couple. Yeah, yeah, a man getting ready and he There's a man in the bed. Weeping. Exactly. Yes. He had, there's a man in the bed and he's uh, you know, trying not to wake him. And you know what? I didn't catch it. Like even I think I watched the commercial two or three times because you had sent me the ad, you know, the reference to the ad saying this was the one you wanted to use for homosexuality. And I, I watched them like, where's the homosexuality? I don't see the homosexuality. I had to go down in the comments on YouTube to find out where it was. Mm. And because I completely missed it. If you blink, you will miss it. It's so not highlighted. I mean, it's just so normal, so subliminal that yep. you just it's just part of the ad. And there was actually a commercial during the Super Bowl, which they they never actually said the brand that they were advertising for. It was just that symbol at the end of the commercial for Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And uh, the commercial opens with it, basically it's people coming home. Mm-hmm. And the first house that they picture in this commercial has this big rainbow flag hanging from the eaves of the house. Mm-hmm. And... um. In that same commercial, they show a man walking through a threshold, and that threshold has the mezuzah on it, mm. which is the the um, the little case with the square for, with the prayer from the Torah in it mm-hmm. for the home. So that they were in that commercial, they were basically basically putting faith and homosexuality together, acceptance, yeah, yeah together, and that is really bugging me the way that they're doing that. And the media, and in this case, the people who make the commercials, they've normalized it. They mm-hmm. they have equated homosexuality to the protected class. Uh, and this is something that is has been tearing at me personally for, uh, I would say, probably a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. That if you're against homosexuality, you are the same as somebody who was racist in the 50s. Mm-hmm. or um, misogynist in the 20s, mm-hmm. that not only are you not with the times and not and they, on the right side of history. They love that word, the, the bigot word that they keep throwing at us, which oh, I hate that word. Yeah. And yeah. Um, now I'm going to throw the curveball out, <laughs> and that's that I am wrong to let this bug me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm I failing as, as a Christian. I'm failing God. I'm failing... Um, I'm failing myself and I'm failing my brothers and sisters in Christ because we are commanded, we're, we're told uh, in First Peter to humble ourselves, uh, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm-hmm. I need to put my faith that this is in God's will because it is. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens is in God's will. And the fact that we're being hated by by the world just means that I don't remember what the scripture is. We'll have to look it up. But uh, that they said that they will hate you even as they hate me. And this is the fact that the world hates Christians so much because of our morals and ethical stand just means that they hate God. And we already know the world hates God, so we can't really take that personally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's what I wanted to to drive at mm-hmm. was that uh, by letting it get so much under my skin uh, that I'm, you know, <laughs> that I'm falling over my own sli- slippery slope. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share that in hopes that uh, if any of our listeners are feeling the same way, 
feeling this frustration with uh, being thought of as the equivalent of uh, a racist or a bigot or a, a misogynist or, mm-hmm. you know, all all those terms that, that, that are being thrown around. Um, cast your fear on God. Yeah. Cast your anxieties on God. Mm-hmm. But uh, Peter finishes up with be sober-minded and watchful. Your mm-hmm. adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't we can't lose faith, but we also can't stop being vigilant. Exactly. And I think that, that that's a good point is that we cannot we cannot compromise with the world. And we the, based on what God has told us in Scripture, we simply can't compromise, even if it may cost us everything. Mm. And I, I don't know whether you keep up with on the news, but that that florist in Washington state that yep. that was sued um uh, they went up to the Supreme Court of the state of Washington, and she lost that case. And now they're going to have to go to the U.S. Supreme Court um, to to re- appeal it. Yeah. And she's losing everything. These were people that she treated as customers. They were they were friends, and they were customers. And she just told them very, very uh, humbly that she was not able to do their wedding. And yep. And and for the reasons that she couldn't do their wedding, and and she's losing everything because of it. And you know, she sold them flowers before, but it was when it came to the actual wedding. Mm-hmm. That's where she had to draw the line, right? And uh, and everybody, you know, they they said that they were discriminating. She had used, she had done you know stuff for these these men before, so it wasn't that she was discriminating against them because they were homosexual. She just did not want wish to participate in their wedding, which to her was a sin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it may cost us everything, and but we. We have to stand firm on what we believe and, and our conscience will not allow us to cave to what the world dictates we should be and what we should do. Um, that's just who we are as Christians. But I think we can still um, cast, like you said, cast our anxieties on God over this and let him be in control. And we can always present our arguments uh, in, in the most humble and loving way that we possibly can, yeah. because it's not the people that we hate. It's the sin. Yeah. And we have to be very careful that we treat um, all the people, even the ones that are coming against us with hateful language, with the love of Christ, because Christ and God is love. And, you know, since you have confessed, <laughs> we're, the next ad we're going to talk about is probably more on me than on you. Um, <laughs> the uh, Audi ad that was ran during the Super Bowl um, was called Daughter. And it's about this uh, guy who's who, you're seeing this girl t- take part in what would be, I guess, considered a um, a, a boyish activity. She's running go karts, mm-hmm. and um, and he's and he's mono, uh, monologuing about what he should tell her about being a woman in today's world. And there are all, in my opinion, straw men arguments um, talking about that she'd be worth less than a man, that she'll be. Uh, She'll make less than a man and everybody will treat her as, you know, and I'm like, none of that's true anyway. So why is he monologuing about something that may be true in a Middle Eastern Muslim dominated country, but it definitely isn't true here? Yeah. And that really bugged me. So like you got bugged over the Delta ad and the normalization of homosexuality. This uh, Adi, these Adi ads were getting really under my skin because as a woman, uh, in uh, this culture today, I really feel like 
we have all of the rights that we need to be in. I mean, if I want to go to to school and be a doctor, there is nothing stopping me except my own level of motivation in pursuing that study. Right. If, if I want to be a CEO of a company, the only thing stopping me is my own skill set and my own motivation to get there. Yeah. If I want to be president of the United States, the only thing stopping me is the fact that I, actually I don't want to be president of the United States. <laughs> Um, I don't think there's a glass ceiling in the United States anymore. And when it comes to the the concept of equal pay for equal work, I think that is also a myth because I think the studies do not – they don't compare apples to apples. They compare apples right. to oranges. And it's, I, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree, only, but only a little bit, not nearly <laughs> as much as, as before. Um, I, I think there is still some impact, but I don't think it is anywhere near – uh, the level that the voiceover in this commercial was making uh, it sound like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it really was speaking th- as far as it felt like the guy was talking from the seventies. <laughs> yeah, or like I um, said, you from made, a Muslim you made a country. Really, <laughs> yeah, you made a really good point uh, that globally it is still a problem. Right. There are a lot of countries out there where women are still practically considered property. Yes. It is but a problem this, in some countries. But this was an ad running during an American football presentation. Right. <laughs> to Americans. So it, it's sort of hard to justify this as, well, you know, other countries out there. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Audi is a foreign foreign vehicle. But They're Swedish, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. But, I, you know, I just uh, to me, that was just it, that was a, a miss, in my opinion, from a from a cultural standpoint, the it, it really didn't have a strong. I know that there were women who walked and marched on the Women's March for equal pay and equal rights for women. And uh, from a global standpoint, I think that there we need to be sensitive to the way women are tra- treated in some other countries. But here in the United States, we don't really have anything left to fight for. Um, the uh, oh. and, and I know that you uh, disagree, but you're also, I think you almost have to, because if you didn't, you would just come across. This. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, men, it, men today, uh, if I came out and said, there is no problem. Right. Then. Uh, you would get slapped down. I can, oh. as a woman, say, I, I can, as a woman, say. <laughs> There is there is no glass ceiling that is forcing me down other than my own motivations to reach beyond it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times when, the, you know, especially the equal pay issue, um, there's been a lot of studies about that. And they and I'm going to actually present one um, in our show notes that you can go to okay. and read. But the the issue isn't so much that women are not getting paid equally for equal work is that typically women do not work equally. So they, they, they either pick um, part-time jobs that don't pay as much or they uh, take more time off or they don't, they just simply don't pursue the bigger paying careers because of, of uh, family obligations or whatever. So it's, it's motivation. It's what women are motivated to do. And what this, this one I'm going to show is, is that when women, compete on the same level as men typically they actually make more money hmm. but it's 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 a motivation thing they have to be able to willing willing to compromise and give up some other things in their lives in order to do that men are usually career oriented so they go straight at a career 
and they make money on a career where women have, you know, relationships and family and other obligations that they that distract them from career. But if they go after a career with the same motivation and skill set that a man does, typically they make more money than the man. So I think it's it's not an apples to apples comparison when they, when we talk about whether women make more money or not. Okay. And um, I think that that has been shown here in the United States to be true. Now, whether it's true in another country, I can't tell you because I don't live in another country. This is the country I live in. I am an independent, uh, career-oriented, single female, and I make as much as I need to make. And if I were motivated to do more, there are opportunities for me to climb the ladder. I just am very happy where I am. Okay. There is no glass ceiling in my life. <laughs> so when I hear people talk about this mythical glass ceiling, it's like, that's just your motivation level. I mean, there was an era when women could not go to certain, could not go down certain career paths because they were not able to. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it's all based on your skill set and your motivation level. If you want to do anything with your life, you are able to, but you have to have the skill set and you have to have the motivation to pursue it. Okay. It, well, the soapbox, <laughs> the soapbox commercial was not the only Audi commercial uh, to play during the Super Bowl. Tell, tell us about the other one. Well, this is actually the other one that I that I put down, uh, and this is one I didn't have as much of a soapbox against, but this one actually ran during the Christmas holidays. It's called Let's Change the Game, and this is one where uh, it shows a toy store, uh, which makes sense that it was running during the holidays, and uh, the lights go out and all the toys come alive. It's a very uh, to- toy story kind of uh, storyline to the commercial. And the uh, the princess is stuck in her carriage and there's no horses on it. And she's upset because the carriage won't move. And so she looks across and there's this toy car across the aisle. So she and the toy car meet up and she gets to drive all over the store and having the time of her life. And it, it ha- just happens to be a little model of an Audi vehicle. Imagine that. Imagine that in an Audi ad. Um, and then the lights come on and all of the toys are frozen in whatever place they are. And like they like just like in the Toy Story and uh, a little boy comes down the aisle and finds the car and he loves it. And the mom says, oh, these toys don't go together. And she takes the doll out and puts the doll back on the shelf. And then the uh, the little boy takes the doll back um, as he's leaving. He doesn't mind. He wanted to play with the doll, too. Yeah, absolutely. As any person who grew up with uh, as any male who grew up with a similarly aged female sibling can tell you playing with dolls is perfectly acceptable right and playing with cars is perfectly acceptable with girls exactly i was always stealing my brother's toys when i was growing up and i don't understand this whole stereotyping gender thing that we've got going on where they're saying that that if you're a girl and you don't like pink and dolls that somehow you're less of a girl and that that seems to me what this whole transgender thing is saying is that it's okay to not be a girl i'm like but why does not preferring non, you know, stereotyped, social constructed, this is what you'd play with when you're a girl, things make you less of a girl? Exactly. And uh, it, it really is artificial. It is. It's completely artificial. And we've created these social constructs. And then we're telling children that if they don't meet these social constructs, then they obviously have gender confusion and they need to change their gender. And I think we're just creating more confusion because I didn't play with dolls when I was a girl. I hated dolls. <laughs> I wanted to play with horses and cars and trucks and run around outside like a tomboy. And that and 
I'm still a girl. <laughs> and I can't stand pink. Well, wait a minute. It, isn't there that that part in Exodus where it's like the 11th or 12th commandment where God says, thou shalt not let your children play with non-gender specific toys? toys. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I guess so. There's some, in yeah. sense, it must be in somebody's Bible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not in my Bible. <laughs> we we really we really do need to uh, we need as a society we need to stick to the biblical definitions of uh, gender of gender roles, mm-hmm. but we don't need to be adding to it. No, uh, I'll have to look up the scripture reference for the show notes, but it it really comes back to uh, don't add to or take away from the gospel. Exactly. And and it's interesting because when I had my uh, interview with an atheist um, back last end of last summer, um, one of the questions that we got into a discussion over was biblical roles of gender, because according to atheists, um, somehow or another, when you become a Christian, you become barefoot, pregnant and stuck in the kitchen. <laughs> and I don't know where they got that idea about Christian women, but it seems to be very prevalent among the non-Christian society that that's what Christian men expect their women to be. And it's not biblical, and it's not represented in the Christian church, at least in the Western world. Um, mm. There are some societal pressures in other countries that may make it appear that way for women. But I would say of all of the re- religions, and I put religions in quotes because I don't consider Christianity a religion. I consider it a faith and a relationship. Mm. Um, but I know other people outside of Christianity looking in think it is a religion like all the other religions. It, it is the most equalizing faith there is, because in Christ we have a male or female, no matter what shade of brown your skin is, um, no matter what part of the world you come from, no matter who your parents are, no matter where you were raised, no matter what social class you're a part of, you are equal in Christ. Because we mm-hmm. are all sinners and we can all obtain the same salvation in equal parts before God. And when we accept the salvation that Christ offers us as a free gift, we become co-heirs in Christ. We are all yeah. equal. And it, it's the great equalizer. <laughs> I was like, why are we struggling so much for social justice when all we need is Christ? Because it equals everything out. The problem is, is that society it is taking the complete wrong meaning of equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, society is saying equality means I can do everything that you can do, and vice versa. But right. that's not the case, and Mm-mm. and it's certainly not supported by scripture. No, that'd be like us going to God and saying, "Well, you know what? We can do it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> it's the relationship between men and women is not. Uh, it's supposed to be complementary. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be uh, symbolic and representative because I don't think those are actual synonyms <laughs> of the marriage between Christ and, and the, the church. church. Exactly. And we all have roles. I mean, we have biblical roles. God gave women a biblical role and men a biblical role. And to some people looking in because of the way he defined marriage, it looks like women are inferior, but we are not because 
we have to acknowledge a head, just as the church has the head in Christ in a marriage, the man is the one who makes the final decision. That doesn't mean the man doesn't listen to the woman and his wife and understand what her point of view is. But from a biblical marriage standpoint, the final decision rests with him. And if he is not considering his wife's opinion, then he's not fulfilling his role as the lover of his wife, because he is supposed to love her enough to lay down his life for her. So none of his personal feelings and considerations should be, ever be taken into effect when he's making decisions that infect his wife. Right. So it goes both ways because yeah. Christ laid down his life for the church and the church is the wife in a, in a, you know, represented as a wife in a marriage and the man is representative of Christ. They have to love their wives enough to give up their own personal feelings and needs on behalf of their wives. And the wife has to respect and be willing to accept her husband's decisions. That doesn't mean the wife is inferior. It just means she has a hmm. biblical role. Exactly. All right. We beat that Let, horse, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Speaking of relationships. <laughs> I, I had to look really hard. I tell you, I was trying to find something, a non-controversial uh, alcohol ad. <laughs> um there was one called ghost spuds and i'm not sure whether it actually ran during the super bowl but it is a newer ad this is one where it it's playing off of the the uh, christmas carol storyline in which uh (laughs) very loosely yeah of the ghost of spuds the 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 dog that represents the budweiser uh comes to visit this man who has just turned down his friends on a night out drinking and caroling and having fun. Oh, well, not caroling, drinking and carousing <laughs> and having fun. <laughs> and so Ghostbuds is telling him, you got to go see what's going on. And he takes him to a past engagement in which he didn't understand the joke because you had to be there to understand it. And everybody's drunk. And then they he goes to a present or a future one in which he wasn't there to answer the question on the crossword that they were trying to solve. And he knew the answer, but they didn't get the answer because he wasn't there. And then they take him to the present to the one that he just turned down and gives him a, a, a case of beer and says, go in and have fun. <laughs> but open this beer for me first. Yes, but open this beer for me first. To me, I think that this is an indication of, and I this is not the way all the world is, but this is definitely the way a lot of the world is, that they, they have to loosen themselves up with recreational drugs in order to have fun with each other. Well. I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but it sure when you watch TV, it sure seems to be uh, the beer is the, um, uh, the oil that greases the wheels. Yeah, it's you do it when you picture it on TV and somebody <laughs> says loosen up, you do sort of expect them to be, you know, handing a brewski or, yeah, or, or something like that. Yeah. You know, my response to this was can't we really find a better way to have fun with our friends? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, I, I am an introvert. I'm definitely the person who turns down more invitations than anybody else that I'm around. Uh, I. You know, people are doing things and, and a lot of times I don't even get the invitations anymore because people are used to me saying no. Mm. I, it's not because I don't like to be around people and I do like to be around people and have fun, but it's got to be in its time and its place. But I right. don't think that I need beer to loosen me up to have fun. Well, Spuds McKenzie's ghost says we do. Yes. Yes, I guess so. That, 
that Bud Light will make any social engagement better. Yes. Interesting what the Bible would have to say about that in um, oh Romans 13, 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. So uh, definitely we're not supposed to be carousing with beer. Uh, Proverbs 21 says wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. <laughs> I, You know, I don't think I have ever heard Proverbs 21 before. <laughs> Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray was not wise. I, I like that one. Yeah. And then uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Now, I, I, I do want to point out that just drinking is not. No, 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 no. And I'm going to yeah. get to that. I'm getting to that. Th- this is all talking about drunken behavior. <laughs> And it's interesting, Ephesians 5.18, the whole instead be filled with the Spirit. You know what was said about the, the men on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem? Do you, if you go back to Acts and look, when they get filled with the Spirit, everybody says, how can they be already drunk? It's still yeah. early in the day. <laughs> so, yes, um, it's interesting that, that that was pulled up. It says instead be filled with the Spirit, because on the day of Pentecost, that they were filled with the Spirit instead of wine. <laughs> it was... <laughs> But yeah, um, you get these sects of, of Christians who believe that anything alcohol is instantly sinful. It's like that, that whole um, idea of, of fire, you know, that people think fire is evil, but fire is also a tool. And mm-hmm. it can be used to burn down a house or it can be used to light a fire that keeps you warm. So alcohol, actually, scripturally, you cannot hold the point of view that alcohol is an, is an evil in and of itself. Because when you read all of these, it's all talking about imbibing in excess and right. there are actual scriptures. In fact, the wine that is used to represent Christ uh, in in the communion is an alcoholic beverage. And in um, let's see, in in First Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to stop drinking water and take a little wine for for his stomach. And that's in First Timothy five twenty three. Mm-hmm. Wine has alcoholic beverages have medicinal. Uh, capabilities they also clean water uh and a lot of cultures and a lot of places especially today um the wa- water is unsafe to drink and so you have to drink alcohol at meals because it's the only safe fluid to drink with your meal but yeah. you're not supposed to drink it my dad used to say he he grew up in uh part of his uh teenage years in germany and uh men would go to the bar in the evenings and socialize and their version of socializing was not drinking beer after beer after beer, which is what they were kind of showing in the in this commercial. But they would get a stein of beer and they would sip it all night. They would make yeah. one stein of beer last for the entire night. And and he says, it's Americans that drink to get drunk. Everybody else in the world, unless they're an alcoholic, it's just a, a social thing. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything in the scripture that says that you shouldn't ever touch alcohol ever or you're going to hell. I mean, there's a lot of it, that would be a very hard case to sell right. given that we have Christ drinking wine. Yes, and making wine out of water. Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> I, I don't know how I forgot that one. Um so yeah, I we're probably going to step on a few toes by by bringing all of that up, but 
thought that would be interesting to talk about the biblical perspective on alcohol uh, in regards to social occasions, which hopefully you are not getting together with your friends and getting drunk, but it's probably okay to sip a beer. Um, I'm not going to be the first to tell you not to. Now, if you but are going if, to go to a party exactly. and get drunk, um, <laughs> yeah. you need this next ad. <laughs> I liked this one. It, it, I I haven't seen these in in real life yet, mm-hmm. but I really like the ad. Yeah, yeah. Now Tostitos put out an ad, and I don't like you. Like you said, we actually haven't seen it run. We only saw it online. But it's more of a public service announcement against driving drunk than it is an ad for Tostitos. And I really appreciate that they are putting their money into action here because what it does is it's it's telling about people who have been killed driving drunk after the game. And then it says Tostitos has created a bag where if you breathe on it, it will tell you if you're drunk or not. And if you uh, are drunk, it'll give you an Uber code for $10 off an Uber ride. And I thought that was amazing because you you go you go and eat your Tostitos while you're at the bar getting drunk, and then you get uh, Tostitos is actually paying you to get an Uber ride home. Yeah, and you know it's it's not e- even getting drunk like the way that we picture getting drunk, right? But getting impaired by the alcohol, right? Because it, you know, you have the the rule about three beers or whatever, but it really all is about uh, body weight and and what have you. Mm-hmm. And, and they did say um, that you wouldn't use it as a breathalyzer. Exactly. It, it would definitely warn you that you are possibly impaired too much to drive. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. F- I, I want to go out and find one of these Tostitos <laughs> bags now. I would never get the code because I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's sort of hard to fake that part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe if maybe you- maybe pour a pour a beer directly onto the bag or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but I think that. Of all of the social justice ads and the political ads that were going on, to me, this meant a whole lot more because it's a company that's literally putting to action um, active concern for people. Yeah. You know, hey, you're going to go out and get party. You're going to get drunk or you're going to get impaired, one or the other. And here we are going to put to action um, our concern for you in driving that way. And and they're helping people be responsible about their choices, which, uh, you know, empowering people to be responsible in this manner, I think, is a really smart and uh, exceptionally uh, worthwhile choice. Right. Right. And I hope that they start playing that ad everywhere because, (laughs) (laughs) uh, of course, like you said, we have to see whether we actually see those Tostitos bags around somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they're only served at bars. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, my family and I, we do um, pub trivia on Monday nights, mm-hmm. and uh, I, we have fun without drinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll ask at the bar if the bartender's ever seen these bags. It should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. And to end off the episode, I wanted to do something <laughs> a little lighthearted and fun. It actually took me a while to find, though these did run. Uh, during the Super Bowl, so there were some fun ads out there. Um, Avocados from Mexico ran a couple of uh, comedic ads. One of them was called Aliens. Oh yeah, and uh, the Aliens ad is in the you're seeing like this museum of humanity, and there's aliens being guided through. And um, one of the funniest ads I think I've seen in a long time because. 
they first come across the, the cube of Rubik. They used to think it was unsolvable. And the little alien boy says, what, did they not have brains? And he says, simple ones. And then there was the 21st century torture device, which turns out to be an airline uh, seat. Um, yep. that they would get strapped well, into for hours. How did they stand uh, they're, it? They're not exclusive torture device airline seat. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. It is a torture device. <laughs> I'm going to be in one next weekend. So, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, not for hours and hours and hours, just a couple hour flight. But yeah, that thought that was uh, pretty entertaining. And then the next thing is emojis. Their alphabet was emojis using a few simple uh, characters to express their limited ability to express them, <laughs> their limited expression set. And then the white and gold dress that caused a civil war, <laughs> which in the case looks blue and black. You know, that even, that even looked like the dress to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, I don't know uh, if they got the actual dress or, you know, the actual what would it make and model of the dress or whatever? Yeah. Uh, but that, that whole dress thing just astounded me. <laughs> well, I, I to this day, I still say it's blue and black. Huh. Well, it, it certainly looked blue and black to me, but I, <laughs> I looked, don't know. Yeah. I, I could go off on the science of, you know, colors and everything. Yeah, and but. light lighting and the way cameras work and all of that, which th- I yeah. thought was interesting that they made it look blue and black in the case. So. <laughs> And they called it white and gold the as they were gold, walking yes, by. They yeah. By, yeah. Um, and then Scott Bayo. I'm not exactly sure why he was in their museum. Maybe he was the only famous actor willing to um, stand in a case. Oh, I, Scott Bayo really is a he is an emblem of the 80s and everything. Well, the Rubik's Cube is from the 80s. The black and gold dress is from 2000s. The emojis is current. Yeah, emojis is current. But it, yeah, I, I guess when I think uh, 80s television, Scott Bayo does come to the forefront. Yeah. And he has been in the news recently because of his support for uh, Trump. For President Trump. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or can- candidate Trump. Yeah. Uh, at the time and now President Trump. <laughs> but uh, you know what? It, it just shows he's a good sport. Yeah, because <laughs> especially the end of the ad where it, it clips back to him when he's sitting there trying to do the Rubik's <laughs> Throws it down in frustration. Yeah. I always, I always just popped it, you know, popped it apart and uh, reassembled it. <laughs> that was me it. too. I don't know how many Rubik's cues I broke apart to get them. I liked them when they were nice, clean colors on all sides, but I had no clue how to get them that way. So. I, if I remember correctly, we would actually use Vaseline to make it so that the Rubik's cube could spin faster. <laughs> uh, because my brother would solve it, I would just disassemble it. Yeah, yeah, I was the disassembler too. Though I yep. did find that they now have instructions online for how to solve the rivix cube and i followed them and i was able to solve it but it took me a while you can solve it i thought it was unsolvable <laughs> no that's only if you have simple brain <laughs> oh <laughs> well good <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's what they said the commercial <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know whether there's really a Christian worldview application for this ad. I just had a lot of fun with it. It's funny. <laughs> that that works for me. Yeah. Um, it was a good way to end this discussion because I didn't want to end on this really sour, heavy note, which a lot of yeah. those ads were very sour and heavy. So, yeah, I mean, it's okay to have fun. I think as Christians, we're allowed to have fun and uh, we're we're not stick in the muds. We're not uh, incapable of humor. <laughs> I think God's capable of humor. I think when you read through scripture, there are a lot of instances where you see that God has 
has a sense, a of, sense humor. of humor. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we were created after him in his image. So therefore, we also have a sense of humor. I especially always thought that the Zacchaeus story was pretty funny um, about, you know, Zacchaeus being called down from a tree because he had climbed up to see Jesus passing by. And but yeah, um, there's there's humor in the Bible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's okay to laugh and have fun at our own expense, which is really what, what, uh, this ad does. It, it, it was also interesting to me that it was showing kind of what pop culture would say about us. I mean, if, if we look at our society from an external point of view and try to make right. sense of it, could we, I mean, could like we? the fu- the future museums and yeah, stuff like that. It's like looking back on us, could they make sense of our culture? Because it, it really is nonsensical sometimes. Well, we would love to hear what you have to say. There were more commercials than we could possibly deal with in a single episode. In fact, I believe we'll be posting some of them in our new Facebook discussion group. We do hope that Mm. you would join us there. Um, You do have to ask to join because it's a closed group, but don't let that turn you off. We will accept you. You just have to ask to join. That's so that our stuff that we post there doesn't go public. Um, So we would uh, really like you to Click on our show notes and or even just search for Are You Just Watching on Facebook. There will two things will come up, a, a group, uh, which is the discussion group we're talking about and our page. So you don't even need us to get a URL from our show notes. All you have to do is uh, go to Facebook and look for us and you can find us. So please come join our discussion group. We're going to post some of the videos of, of some of the commercials we didn't talk about and kind of get uh, some people talking about them because we'd be curious to know what you have to say um some of them were very political <laughs> yeah uh, and some of them spoke specifically to to uh questions of of uh, a very current political nature like uh immigration immigration yes um so you could comment on our show notes at are you just watching dot com slash sixty seven uh you can call us at nine zero three two three one two 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 one and leave a voicemail uh, you can email us at e- feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. Join our discussion group, as I just said. Subscribe, rate, and review in iTunes. We really like reviews. You can follow me on Twitter at E. Franklin. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ren Cheple, R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. Uh, share us on Facebook. Let let people know that we're out there and uh, you might help us get new listeners because I know right now the whole fad is like the – the uh, live videos on Facebooks, and unfortunately, Tim and I will probably never do that. <laughs> we we well, li- live in two separate places, which makes live feed very difficult. And yeah. uh, also, uh, we both have uh, uh, faces for radio, <laughs> or at least I do. I can't speak for Tim. I know I do. <laughs> uh, not only do I have a face for radio, but I have a voice for print. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you have a nice voice. So and anyway... All that aside, we, you probably won't be joining the fad of live video, but we do want it to be shared on Facebook because that's yeah. where the audiences are. You know, a lot of podcasts do do those extras, and um, Daniel uh, has – with Noodle MX, he's mentioned it a couple times too. Mm-hmm. I'd really be interested in hearing what people would like to see from us mm-hmm. as far as extras or you know supports or something like that. Uh, 
something just for supporters maybe uh i'd love to get some ideas on that that would i think that would be interesting feedback too yeah, yeah. and we did get more support on uh on patreon we do do want you to support us on patreon uh you don't have to be called out at the beginning in fact the one that we got this last month uh he actually did not want anything um he just wanted to give us money which we like the money thank you no that makes us sound great <laughs> uh we use the money to increase our quality of our podcast and to be able to afford to go to movies and uh, yep. buy DVDs. So uh, we we will only use that money for the podcast. So if you could support us, uh, we'd highly appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash are you just watching and consider giving us a small monthly gift. We would very much appreciate it. I think that concludes this discussion. Yep, I agree. And we thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx.